You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Our reading today will come from the 21st chapter of Revelation, um, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. The one who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Please be seated. If you have a Bible, my encouragement to you is to open up to Revelation chapter 21. There are things here I want you to see. I, I hope that your heart will soar as a result of this. There are, there are probably a gazillion things that you, that you can be thinking about right now. Uh, I don't know what's represented in this room or those watching the live stream. You know, maybe you're dealing with depression. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. Maybe you're dealing with all kinds of other a host of other things, disappointment, heartache. Maybe you're just you're, you're in the happiest mood you could possibly be in right now. But, uh, but I want you to see some things in Revelation 21. And so as, as we turn our attention to Revelation 21, let's, let's pray. Let's ask God to do what only God is able to do in our hearts and our lives. Let's, let's pray. God, I ask and I pray you will, God, that you'll give us ears that will be able to hear your voice through your word in the Bible, that you will give us a heart that would receive your word in the scriptures, that you will use the, the, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will do what only you are able to do in our lives in these moments to come. God, if there's anyone in this room who does not yet know you because they do not yet know your son, God, I, I pray for them. I pray that they would hear that they would hear the gospel, they would hear the greatest news in the universe in, the, in, in these verses that we're going to explore this morning. I pray the same for those watching the live stream, that you will, that you will use your word to, uh, to enable those who need to hear the gospel to hear the, hear the gospel. And for the rest of us in this room and for the rest watching the live stream, God, who, who, who have placed their faith and trust in your son, who have given their lives to him, and who are redeemed, who are born again, who are saved, God, I, I ask that you would use this time that we have together to encourage their hearts, to encourage all of our hearts. 
God, I need these words just as much as anybody else. And so I ask that you will do what only you are capable of doing in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Next week I will start, I will begin a new sermon series in Ephesians. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I said last week, I said uh, that if you, wanna, if you want to understand what it means to be the church, you need to understand what it means to be a Christian. And if you want to understand what it means to be a Christian, you need to understand what it means to be the church. When I refer to church, I'm using capital C, church. People like us gathered together in places like this, or maybe in caves, or in woods, in the woods, or in secret, or wherever you know God's people are gathered together all over uh, planet Earth, are gathered in the name of Jesus. That's next week, and I, I can't wait to, to to dive into Ephesians with you. This is a this is an appropriate an appropriate way to conclude this series, and as a way of setting up setting up next week's uh, new sermon series. The new heaven and the new earth. So I came across a uh, cover page for the Daily News after, I think it was 2015, there was a mass shooting in California, and uh, it was a shocking cover page, and, and this is what it said. It, it, God isn't fixing this, and it's got some statements and some quotes from some tweets or whatever from uh, some conservative politicians you know, that were, you know, praying, you know, we're praying for the victims and this and that. And so that, that, that God isn't fixing this. When I, when I saw this for the first time, I was reminded of Time Magazine's cover page from the late 60s, not that I was alive then, <laughs> but the late 60s, it was a red letters against a black backdrop that, that asked the question, is God dead? And, uh, and so I just was thinking about this. I was thinking about this, uh, this statement, you know, God isn't fixing this. It's not even a question. I'm just saying God is not fixing this. And so we need legislation is the point. We need legislation. We need laws. We need to take away the guns. We need to do this. We need to do that in order for us to fix it. But here is the, our story as a, as, a, as a species. We have, in an effort to fix this apart from God, or uh, to fix this with the idea that God is maybe not even God, we've made more of a mess of our world, haven't we? Like, our world is a mess. It's a mess. Now, I'm not saying we don't need laws. We need laws. But uh, here's what I want you to hear. This has been the whole, the whole point of the sermon series. God is fixing this. He's, going, he, he, he's in the process of fixing it, and he's going to fix it. That's the promise that we're given, you know, all throughout the scriptures. A life that our world will offer, or that the devil will offer, or whatever, or a life chosen and devoid of God, is, is, is a life where you choose a counterfeit of the real thing. So let me explain. Our world will say, or the culture of our day will say, something to the effect of, you can... You can have the relationship that you want. You can do the things that you want to do. You can behave the way that you want to behave, devoid of God, devoid of any moral restraints, and you can experience what it really means to live. And that is a counterfeit. Here, here's what counterfeits do. They give you the exact opposite of what they offer. They give you death. In this case, they give you death. I, I was sharing with a 
family in, in my office earlier this week where, uh, where I shared with them, I said, and you've heard me say this multiple times, that the heart is an idol factory. You know, we think of idols, we tend to think of idols as these gold statues that we bow down to or we light incense or burn incense to before. And, uh, those are idols, but the, the majority of idols that we bow down to are, are the things that we, that are good things that we make ultimate things in our lives. And the problem with idols is they promise life, but they wind up giving you death. They give you disappointment, they give you heartache. And here, uh, what we see in the pages of, of Scripture in this chapter in Revelation is that God intends life. He intends life for his people. I, uh, yeah, this whole series with, with Jesus being the king, from, from the manger to the cross, was one who lived among Adam's helpless race as God's plan A for mankind's sin problem. Jesus wasn't plan B. It wasn't like God said, well, I didn't think about that in the garden when Adam and Eve did, so well, I gotta find up, I gotta drum up another plan. It's always been plan A. It's always been plan A. The church has always been plan A. And so uh, we see that throughout scripture. I, was, uh, I came across a, a, a comment from, I, I think he's a, a motivational speaker. I don't like get my stuff from motivational speakers, but he said something that, uh, that I thought was intriguing and not surprised by. He said, we all need something to look forward to in life. A healthy sense of anticipation can often energize our lives and motivate us to get through tough times. Now, now, and then he had a list of like some things that you can look forward to that can help you through the day or through the week, like maybe looking forward to your lunch break, or looking forward to a vacation day, or looking forward to you know a raise or whatever. And and the thing about all those is that it winds up leading to more disappointment, doesn't it? There's always Monday. So if you're waiting for Friday, Monday's coming, right? Or if you're longing for that break or that vacation, there's a week that you're going to have to work after that break is over. But what God has put into our hearts, what he has written into the DNA of our very, very fiber of our being, is a desire to look forward to something. We all, like, one of the great things that people need is hope. And if a person has no hope, then all things get all, like, out of whack, Right? And so, so God put into our DNA the desire for something, something greater. That desire is him, or for him. We might not say it's him, but that's, we, we, you know, St. Augustine said um, our, you know, that our hearts you know, were made for God and our hearts longed for him. You know, so God is fixing this. He's fixing it. He's been fixing it. He's going to fix it. He's fixing it. And, and what we have in Revelation 21 is the promise of something to look forward to where every moment of that thing that we will experience will be better than the preceding moment. It will never crest, it will never abate, it will always, uh, be, the, each moment will be a climax above, you know, even more than the moment before. It's like, that's, that's what's promised to us. And so we've looked at a, a bunch of different pa verses in the Bible throughout this series. I just want to remind you of some of those referring to who Jesus is, and we can read these together. Let's go to the first one. Let's read this together, Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says, he who is the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of armies, I am the first and I am the last, 
and there is no God besides me. And then the, the other verse that we looked at is in Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely to do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Like This is a verse that's needed. I don't know about you, but this week I was totally disgusted. By, by what was coming out of, you know, I mean, I, I, was, I was glad there's a bunch of names that were released about uh, Epstein and all that stuff, but I was dis disgusted by the whole thing. I can't wait for the day where the scales of just, the justice will be balanced, where God will make what is right with this world, what, what is wrong with this world right, and he will hold accountable to those who have hidden in the dark. Anyway, that's not in my manuscript, but that's Jeremiah 23. All right, let's go to the next one. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And then this passage in 2 Samuel. He shall build a house for my name, and I, shall, I will establish the throne of his kingdom. For how long, brothers and sisters? Forever, forever. Not just a short period of time, forever, forever. I'm so glad that we have limits for how long presidents can, can remain in office in our country. I'm not saying anything political. Okay, let's go to the next one. King Jesus is coming. There we go. All right, here, uh, Luke chapter 2. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a, sa a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then finally, this one in Revelation. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever. And I have the keys of death and Hades. That's who Jesus is. Like any, any Jesus that doesn't fit the, what we just looked at is, is not a Jesus that can save. He is the king. He is fully divine. He is fully man. He is the king. He's coming, and when he comes... Like we looked at this last week, when he comes, all the nations will wail on account of him. They'll wail on account of him. Why? Because all their deeds will be exposed, and two, the kings of the earth, will, will, their power will be stripped from them. All of that is promised to come. He is the king who is fully divine, and he's fully human. Uh, he's the first and the last. There's no one like him. He is not only King of kings and Lord of lords, but he also bears the name Yahweh our righteousness. He is the only one qualified and able and willing to redeem lost sinners as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, he's the kinsman redeemer. I talked about that a little bit. Who is qualified to take the deed of creation by reversing the curse of sin. Uh, and and, and like we see that in Revelation chapter 5. Think about this for a moment. When, when John's having this vision of heaven, like he's just, just totally like surrounded by what's happening in heaven. And there was a question that was, that was asked that all of, heaven, all of heaven could hear. And, and the question was this, who is worthy to take the scroll and open its seals? Well, what's the scroll that he's talking about there? It's the deed of all creation. And so nobody jumps up at, right away to take the, the deed of creation and open it. And, and because there was a pause, John begins to weep. 
Well, why in the world would he weep when he's in heaven and he's surrounded by all this, all this amazing, all these amazing things that are happening around him in heaven? Why would he weep? Because if there's no one who is worthy to open the scroll, then there's only weeping. There's only cursing. There's no redemption. This is why I've said in the past, you know, uh, heaven, doesn't, heaven isn't heaven because you get to see your loved ones. What makes heaven heaven is that we get God. What makes heaven heaven is the Christ, the, you know, Jesus. And so uh, all of heaven is like longing and anticipation in Revelation chapter 5. John is weeping, and then there's somebody who says, Weep no more. Behold the lion who is the lamb. And, and Jesus comes and he takes the scroll and he opens it and all of heaven rejoices. And when they rejoice, we, we, we read these words. These are words that all of heaven sings. Let's, let's read this together. Ready? Worthy are you to take the scroll and to break its seals. For you are slaughtered and you purchase people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You have made them into a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Where will they reign? Upon the earth. What kind of earth? Revelation chapter 21 tells us what kind of earth. I mean, this is amazing. Like you're, when I was growing up, I watched Tom and Jerry, and I, was, I didn't like really know who God was. I grew up Catholic. I had some data about who God was. But I would watch Tom and Jerry, and every time either Tom died or Jerry died, where were they? They were on a cloud playing a harp. And even as a little child, I thought to myself, that I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to spend all of eternity playing some stupid harp on a cloud. Like, that does, that's not heaven to me. This is heaven. This is heaven. And, and look at all the people that he redeemed. Think about that. Let's see, like, most of us are white like sour cream in this room. Like, I could say that, because that's me. I'm married to an Asian. I am the whitest person in my house. Um, we have this, we have this, uh, Wyoming is like 76% Caucasian. Um, yeah, so, which is great. Like, I, like we, we were different, we, we have different cultures and all that stuff. But here's the thing. We tend to think, or we, t we can tend to think, we can gravitate towards thinking that when we get to heaven, most of the people in heaven are going to look like us. You want to know what most of the people are going to look like? Asian. <laughs> Why? Because that's the majority of the population on planet Earth. Um, he, probably the majority of people, when we get to heaven, or when we're on the new Earth, you, you, you want to know the majority of people group that will probably be there? Uh, that will outnumber the rest of them, my guess would be Chinese, right? And then what kind of language will they probably be speaking? Mandarin my, would be my guess. And then, then you would have maybe, uh, you, you'd have all the different countries that make up Africa. You'd have, you have those different people groups. And then maybe South America. And then there would be this little pocket of people who represent North America, right? And they're like, no, don't say that. Yes. And, and there will be cult, like the Bible, I, I wish I had time to dive into this. Like my favorite topic uh, to preach on is heaven and new heaven and new, and new earth. Culture will be, all the good things about culture will be celebrated on the new earth. We'll have all of eternity to learn different languages. There will be dancing on the new earth. And not the kind, not like the two-step or whatever it is that people like, like doing. Like it will be all kinds of dancing. And there will be all kinds of celebrating. 
This is what we're made for. And at the center of of it all will be Jesus. And so that's what we have in store for us. Not some cloud on our harp somewhere. And it will be, it will be minus all that, that, that's wrong with this world. There will be no curse. We won't have to worry about the curse of sin anymore. And so I have three very brief points that I want to share with you. And the first is that life will be purged of sin, death, evil, and the devil. That's good news, friends. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's what precedes chapter 21. Last week, we looked at the second coming of Jesus Christ, and I uh, talked about that. If you missed that, it's on, the, it's on the website. You can listen to it. You can read the manuscript, sermon manuscript. But, but what's in between Jesus' second coming and chapter 21 is really good news. It's really good news. Like the, we're, we're told that the Antichrist, who is a guy who is coming, maybe he's in, in our world now. I don't know. The Antichrist, the, the, the false prophet, and the devil, the theologians refer to the three as the unholy trinity, will be destroyed. It will be destroyed. Death will be swallowed up by life, and, and, and the, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet will be destroyed. They will be thrown into the lake of fire, we're told where the promise was sure as early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God said to Eve and I will make, and to the serpent, and I will make enemies of you and the woman and your offspring and her descendant. He shall bruise you on the head. That's a, that, is, that is a fatal blow. That this, that this one that would come from, from, from Eve and eventually through Mary, he would crush the head of the serpent and you will bruise his heel. The serpent would bruise his heel. The devil would bruise his heel. That happened at the cross. The fatal blow happened at the cross, but it was like, remember I told, some, I told you, for those of you who were here, I said there's, a, there's this thing in the Bible called the already not yet. Theologians call it that. It's, a, it's fulfilled. It's as good as fulfilled, it's, but, it's, but the process of it being fulfilled is, is something we're experiencing now, and it's not fully complete yet. When, when that fatal blow is complete, the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. He'll be thrown into the lake of fire. The deceiver, the great dragon, Lucifer, the serpent, the father of lies, the evil one. Those are all names that that, that, that are given to him. He will be thrown into the lake of fire. And here's here's the sobering thing about this, though. In, In these same verses, we're told that if anyone is not written or found in the book of life, they will also be thrown into the lake of fire. Now, there's a, there's a time for me to preach that sermon. Uh, I've preached sermons on the final judgment in the past. That's not the purpose for today's sermon. I just want your hearts to soar, uh, which leads me to the second point, and that is mortality will be swallowed up by life. Think about that. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Anybody got anything in your body that hurts right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you're over the age of 40, usually that's like almost every day. Um, uh, yeah, I, like what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. I want you to think about something. I, I was just, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a medical doctor, so I don't, in fact, God definitely did not call me to medicine. I can't, I have a hard time seeing anything below the surface of the skin, right? So, <laughs> 
so, so when Seth was born, our youngest, it was uh, by C-section. You know where I was? Behind the curtain, where I could see my wife's face. Just hearing it was enough. Um, as they were taking him out of her, out of her uh, womb. Um, but I was, I was wondering, okay, so, I, and I knew some of this, I was just, but I wanted to make sure I had my facts right. Think about, think about death for a moment. We're told that the resurrection that we will experience will be like the resurrection that Jesus experienced after he rose from the grave. Not only that, we are also told that the resurrection that the earth will also experience when it's made new will be similar to the resurrection that we will experience. Just read Revelation cha or Romans chapter 8 sometime. All of creation is longing, longing for the revealing of, uh, uh, of this resurrection that we will experience when redemption is complete for the Christian. Uh, so I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that for a moment. When Jesus, when Jesus breathed his final breath, within minutes, his body began to decompose. Within minutes. While he was still on the cross, uh, oxygen was then deprived of, to his cells, and his cells started to, started to deteriorate. Uh, with, within 24 hours, his organs started to decompose while he was in, while he was in the tomb. Here's my point. Uh, and, and then by the time... By the time it was getting close for, for Resurrection Sunday, his body was already bloating. Now, I, I don't want to be all gross and stuff. Death is ugly. Death is ugly. And Jesus was in the tomb, and he experienced death. But do you know what had to happen for a resurrection to take place? Literally, there needed to be a DNA change. There needed to be a DNA change in his body for the resurrection to happen. Those cells needed to be made new. Those organs needed to be made new. His body needed, to, his physical body needed to be made new. We are going to experience the same thing. This is why, and I'm not endorsing, you know, uh, cremation or whatever mode of how you want them to dispose of your body. I told my wife, I, I don't want my body to be, you know, cremated. I'm not going to care, but I don't, I don't want my body to be cremated, but just throw me in a pine box. It could be a cardboard box if it's legal. I don't care. The cheapest mode that you, you could do or, or maybe, maybe I wind up preaching the gospel in, in, um, in the Middle East somewhere and somebody blows me up. It doesn't matter. The, 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 God will take, the, take my body and do something new with it. He will make it new. There will be a DNA change. That's what's going to happen to you too. We are promised a resurrection if you're a Christian in this room. And we're guaranteed of that because Jesus walked out of that tomb. He walked out of that tomb. And the, and, the, and the earth, the earth will experience the same thing. This is good news. This is not Tom and Jerry theology. Uh, I'm dating myself, right? Um, this is good news. We're told in the Bible that uh, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. Like, he's going to destroy the earth with fire. I have my theories of what that might look like, but I won't get into that. I like what Randy Alcorn said in his, one of the best books on, outside of the Bible on heaven, titled Heaven. He said this, he said, the earth's death will be no more final than our own. The destruction of the old earth and God's purifying judgment will immediately be followed by its resurrection to new life. Earth's fiery end will open straight into a glorious new life 
beginning. Isn't that cool? Think about what that, what that might look like. I have 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I have the words on the screen here. I mean, just think about this. For we know that our earthly tent, that's this earth suit, right? Which is our house is, you know, it's going to be torn down. You know, we're experiencing some of that. <laughs> Every, I know, like this, this is like discouraging for some of you, but this is a reality. Like every breath you breathe is one breath closer to your final breath. Like, thanks, Pastor Keith. That was awesome. Um, we have a building from God, a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, we who are in this tent groan, right? I, I woke up this morning. My lower back was bothering me. I was groaning. Being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. So that what is what? What is mortal, let's read this together. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Amen? I got along for that day. That's what the earth is going to experience. That's what we're going to experience. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And so Revelation 21, that's how we find ourselves here. And he says, I knew, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now there's a lot of imagery here. I don't have time to get into all that. I just want you to see the main point. And the main point is God is fixing this. He's fixing it. He, 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 he planned to fix it, he is fixing it, and he will fix it. And I heard a loud voice from, from the throne say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they, will be, they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will, this is when the tears get wiped away, ready? Verse 4, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That is a promise for the Christian. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to him, this promise is for you. If you have not yet, and you're just trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus, this promise is not for you yet, but it can be. It can be. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be, you will be saved. That Jesus, like I say this almost every Sunday, he lived the life we could never live. He lived the perfect life in our place for you and for me. And on a cross, he died for the sins that, that we, are guilty, we were guilty of and are guilty of. He died a death that we deserved, not him. And, and so we're told that there's coming a day where, where God will dwell with his people and we will see him face to face. Remember at the beginning of the sermon series, I said that there are two principles that God operates by. It's not the only principles, but there are two principles that I just wanted to highlight back then, and I'm going to remind you of them again, and that is the incarnation principle and the grace principle. The incarnation principle is this, God's intention, his plan from, from, from before, before heaven was even, before earth was even formed, his plan was always to dwell with his people. His plan was always for humanity that bore his image to be able to see him face to face. That was always plan A. Always plan A. Jesus makes that possible. The incarnation principle. And then we see in chapter 21, we're told he tabernacles with his people. And we will see him face to face. And then, and then, and only then will he wipe away every tear that stains our eyes. 
And then the grace principle is that God will do what only God is capable of doing. Like this chapter 21, you getting to chapter 21 is not conditioned on your effort or your righteousness or, or what you're able to do. It is all grace. It's all grace. This is why in Revelation chapter 5, when, when John sees all of heaven and, and this question that's just, just pronounced in, in heaven, who is worthy to open the scroll? What scroll? The deed of all creation. Who's worthy to open it? And, and nobody steps forward immediately, and John begins to weep. Why in the world would John weep as he's seeing all these amazing, th amazing things in heaven? Because if there's nobody worthy to open the scroll, then there's only weeping, there's only the curse, there's only damnation. But there was one who was worthy to open the scroll, and that is Jesus, Jesus the Christ, who takes the scroll and he opens it. And all of heaven celebrates when, when, when that takes place. And, um, and they worship the lamb who was the lion. And, you, and it was all, it was all by the unconditional grace of God, that all, any of that was able to take place. Jesus lived the life we could never live. That's great news, brothers and sisters and friends. That's the best news you could hear. And then he died on the cross in your place for our sins. That's the best news you could hear. That he rose from the grave, validating all of that. That is the best news that you could hear. Everything else that the world would offer you is a cheap substitute. It's a cheap substitute. And so, the plan was always for God to tabernacle with his people, to dwell with his people, to, for us to see him face to face. This is why when Jesus was on the cross, and he said, one of the things that he said, my God, my God, why have you what? Forsaken me. Why have you forsaken me? Because the blessing of Numbers chapter 6, it's called Aaron's blessing, was repeated and you know, all throughout the ages that the Lord, may the Lord shine his face upon you. In the moment that Jesus was on the cross, the Father turned his face from him for the purpose of us being able to see him face to face one day. Uh, that, that's the good news of the gospel. And it gets better, it gets better, which is my third point. Joy will be the serious business of the new earth. I'm taking a little a line from C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Um, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. But joy will be the serious business of the new earth and the new heaven. And C.S. Lewis in one of his books said, joy is the serious business of heaven. There's coming a day, this is what we're promised in chapter 21, where heaven and earth will be one. God is going to make all things new. It will be Eden, but it will be better. And this is the better part. Like, we will... I... 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 I and, I'm guaranteeing you, I really believe, I know that's a really dogmatic thing to say, but, but like, on the new earth, you will run through fields. You will be able to, you'll be able to put your feet in ponds and rivers. You will be able to climb mountains. You will, you will experience all that life has to offer minus the curse of sin. Think about that for a moment. We're told of that day. In fact, Isaiah 65, which one another favorite book in the Bible of mine. Isaiah 65, verse 25. Let's read this together. Ready? The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be the serpent's food, says the Lord. There's, so, there's, there's scores of passages. I was so tempted to just share with you today. We, we don't have the time. Remember my New Year's resolution? I'm going to try to keep my sermons a little shorter. So I'm trying. I'm trying. So um, 
the, it, it, on the new earth, we'll, we'll walk on streets of gold and uh, we'll walk with those who've gone before us, who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We'll see, I believe, Adam and Eve, uh, Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Daniel, David, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Apostle Paul, John. I mean, like, we'll see these people. We'll, we'll see them. We'll, we'll laugh, I believe, with the Apostle Paul and Peter. We'll, maybe we'll go fishing with the rest of the apostles. I don't know. Uh, like Jesus, after he rose from the grave, cooked fish and ate them for you vegans. I'm just saying. Like he, he did that. Um, I don't think there'll be bacon, but hey, you know, I'll, I'll take fish. I know some of you are like, darn. It's okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm, who knows? God, <laughs> when God makes all things new, our world will be a world of love and peace. That's the promise like, of, of Christmas, that the Prince of Peace is coming. And guess what he's going to do? Bring peace. And we'll experience that in everything that's described for us in Revelation 21, when God makes all things new. That's when he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. He, hey, imagine an experience where every experience of joy is better than the joy that you experienced the moment before. And that will be eternity. Anybody like want to sign up for that? I do. <laughs> in his final book, in, in his Narnia series, uh, The Last Battle, on the final page, C.S. Lewis, in his you know, way of concluding, his epic series, The Chronicles of Narnia. I, I quoted from, from one of the books last week where Aslan, who is the Christ figure in the story who's making all things new, he, he concludes the book with these words. And I'll have part of the quote on the screen. And he spoke, or as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this, this the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in the world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Like that's, C.S. Lewis in, in his fashion is describing for us what is promised to us in Revelation 21. Right? Um, I, this is why we don't weep like the rest of the world that has no hope. Right? I mean, like, we weep. The Bible doesn't promise us that we're, you know, in this life that, that we don't weep. That's stupid. Like, Jesus wept before he raised Lazarus from the grave. Um, that's, that's reality. But we don't weep like those without hope. We have hope. We have something to look forward to that 
infinitely better than lunch or a vacation or whatever. And, and the Christian, the Christian, if you're a Christian in this room, we're called to invest in that life. Not save up every last dime that you have so you can spend a week in Disneyland, but to spend your life in such a way as you are investing for the life that is to come. Think about that. We are promised a day where there will be no more death. We are promised a day where every tear that stains our eyes now will be wiped away. There will be no reason to, to cry. We are promised a day on a new earth where we will run through fields and we will see the God of all creation face to face and we will fellowship with those who have gone before us who also walked with the Lord. We're promised a day like that that will go on and on and on and in the words of, of C.S. Lewis, every chapter will be better than the one that preceded it. That's what we're promised. And that has always been God's plan A. You know that? It's always been God's plan A. The worship team can come up and we're going to conclude in a song. And I want to give you the opportunity, I'm going to share a poem with you in a, in a second. I want to give you the opportunity to, um, to be able to, to, do, to use this time, this time of, uh, when we sing this song, to use this time however you want to use it. I don't normally do altar calls. Uh, I just I, I think they lose their value when you do them all the time. But maybe, maybe it's on your heart that you're like, I want to give my life to this king, King Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him. Sometimes it's helpful for, somebody, for, for a person to just tangibly come forward and just, just to kneel down and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you in a, in a tangible way. Nobody's taking notes, by the way, so you don't have to worry about what others are thinking. Maybe, maybe as you stay seated in your chair and you and you just pray, and you're like, Lord, I, I, I want to spend my life in a way that not only honors you, but invests in, in the kind of world, world that you promised me in Revelation 21. And maybe you just stand and you sing this song. I wrote you a poem, Meadowbrook. <laughs> um, I started writing it the beginning of December, and I've been wordsmithing it ever since. I don't write a lot of poems. I've written two this is the third, and uh, I mean two that I feel like I could share, and the, the third being the one that I could share. And the words will be on the screen. I want you to think about them, and uh, think about the promise that is ours in Jesus. The title of it is All Hail the Lion and the Lamb. In the garden where sin's curse began, the serpent's scorn for the sovereign's plan. The sin's revolt, or sin's revolt, the couple chosen bore. The peace of God seemed no more. In shame, Adam's race ran to hide. The God of glory pursued to find. A redeemer promised for all mankind. The cure for sin only he could find. The serpent's head to be crushed. The redeemer's wound to heal. The savior to be born. Man's ransom to be sealed. All hail the lion, all hail the lamb, all hail King Jesus, born to save sinful man. Angelic hosts, the sky lit up over shepherds and their sheep. Into the curse of darkest night was born the good shepherd of his sheep. From the virgin's womb in the manger laid, the prince of peace, his weary head laid. Hear the lion of Judah and the newborn's cry. The son of David lives for sinners born to die. All hail the lion, all hail the lamb, all hail King Jesus, the Redeemer and Son of Man. Come and see Emmanuel, incarnate deity, 
Behold his life before the crooked tree. See who hung there for you and me, the Lamb of God born to set us free. The Son of God, man's ransom paid. The crushed Lamb, redemption made. Three days in the tomb his body laid. Worthy is the King who was raised. All hail the Lion. All hail the Lamb. All hail King Jesus, Yahweh's master plan. Let every knee bow before the one true King. Let every tongue confess that he is him. Shout hallelujah to the Son of Man. Sing worthy is the Lion and the Lamb. When you're ready, let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.